0: Welcome to Full Circle with Garland. I'm a leader in the DEI space and have spent 20 years of my career in human resources. I've been having meaningful conversations about career development with my friends and colleagues, many of whom are rarely heard on stages and podcasts. I am excited to bring you their stories each week. I will be sharing how their diverse backgrounds have shaped their work, the lessons in their career highs and lows, and the importance of recognizing the full circle moments in life. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy this week's interview. Welcome to Full Circle with Garland. Today's special guest is Oseyaman Bartholomew. She is um, a big part of the Project REAP. I'm so excited to have her on today. Um, I really think there's some value in mentioning people's whole names. Um, Osa Yaman means God's gift, and I think it's very exciting to have her on today. Welcome, Osa. Thank you. Thank you, Garland, for having me. You're, you're, I think, probably the woman of the hour right now. I'm sure you're getting more calls, not only from the press, but also from a whole host of organizations who have been probably... Unaware of the best kept secret in commercial real estate, Project Grief. So I'm happy to have you on today so that we can talk a little bit about that. But first, um, I wanted to talk more about you and um, your background. You know, I'm interested in learning about how you transitioned from like a marketing communications background to now like a program management uh, leadership background. So I'm going to jump right in. Um, So can you tell me about how your upbringing has shaped you and who you show up as in the world? Absolutely.
1: So I come from a multicultural background. Uh, My dad is from Nigeria and my mother is from the Dominican Republic. So I've always been exposed to various cultures because of that. Uh, My family is a melting pot of different cultures and different languages, and that definitely helped me along the way. Um, I always had a love for the arts and a love for music and just learning about people. And uh, growing up, I was born in New York. I was born in the Bronx. Uh, My parents met here in the U.S. while they were attending college. Uh, got married. We were here for a few years and then uh, relocated to Nigeria. So I was in Nigeria for about seven years. I moved back to the U.S. when I was around 11 or 12 years old. And uh, we moved to Brooklyn, New York. So I am I am a hardcore Brooklyn girl. I'm no longer in Brooklyn. But, you know, once once you've been considered Brooklyn, you never leave it. Um My parents were entrepreneurs as well as uh, working professionals, and they had a retail business that were catered to professionals in the arts um, and catered to uh, multicultural people that were interested in learning about African culture, Caribbean culture, and other cultures across the world. So that really opened my eyes. Um, I think it was my first entree to diversity in itself. And I'm not surprised that I now work within that capacity. Um, and from there, you know, I, I always had a love for music. And I, I started my career within communications um, in public relations and the media industry. So that was, that was sort of my entree into communications field.
0: Yeah. So how was that coming back to the United States? Um, You know, I think when you grow up in another country where there's a different language, there's a different just way of life, and then you're kind of thrust back into another place where it may be stark and contrasting. Um, How was that transition for you? You know, it actually wasn't a
1: bad transition because I lived in Lagos, Nigeria. And Lagos, Nigeria is like the melting pot of so many different cultures Um, My mom was also a member of several associations where um, there was a combination of Learning the Nigerian culture, but also keeping up with the American culture too. So we had our Halloweens and our Thanksgivings and Christmases, and then I also visited the U.S. every year for the holidays. And I was very close to my family here. So I mean, on one hand, it was a bit of a culture shock, especially with the school system. But I think that I, I transitioned very well. Um, I came back to the U.S. at a young age, so. Um, at that time, it wasn't really hard for me to uh, work with the students and the teachers and and the community as a whole.
0: Yeah. So New York City, as they say, the center of the universe. Um, New York City, I think, is one of those great cities where you can find a little bit of everything, depending on where you live, who you hang out with. Yeah. Um, how has that helped to you know shape how you? view diversity and how you show up in terms of the work that you've been doing?
1: Yeah. So I definitely will say uh, my high school, my high school was very diverse and it's where I was able to learn about different cultures and get to learn about how different people lived. Um, And, and, you know, New York is, is good for that. You know, Um, during college, I did attend a historically black college and university Uh, Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, so it was a little bit different, Um, but I also uh, participated in a joint program at Temple University in Pennsylvania, which exposed me again to various cultures and prepared me for my first job out of college. Um, I I originally was an intern at a public relations firm where I was the only African-American intern out of about 10 Of the candidates. And there is where I got to learn about uh, different people because the interns came from uh, different parts of the country and in the city too. So it it definitely gave me that exposure to learning more. Um, And New York is good for that. You know, (laughs) New York has um, the various communities, but those communities are very open to you learning and of course the foods you know there are different foods and um one thing I forgot to mention too is when my parents did have a retail store we also used to vend uh in the city in New York City so that's when I also got to meet so many different people um, nationalities and genders too so again that was really preparing me for the work that I was doing all that I would be doing going yeah. forward
0: So what led you down the marketing communications route in college Um, and how I think once you got out, you started working um, in the music industry, which I think is really cool. I'd love to hear a little (laughs) bit about that. Um, Yeah. Marketing communications. Yeah.
1: So in high school and in college, I, I used to dance and, you know, I used to take dance classes in the village in New York, which is like the melting pot of culture in New York City. So from like age 14 to 18, I was in the village at least two times a week, either taking dance classes or hanging out. Um, And then at that time, I was always interested in new music releases. Um, I remember attending a festival once, and uh, there were several people performing, and I found myself more interested in how the the event was put together than the actual artists that were on the stage. And that's when I realized that, okay, there's a spark there to want to know about how things are Together, it's all part of you know, marketing and event planning, and you know. And I just observed, and then I found myself doing that every time. You know, living in New York City, I was always attending events and concerts, and I always found myself backstage somewhere, trying to figure out or talk to people and network with people. And I carried that on um, in college. I um, and it's so funny, I, I completely forgot this until we started talking. But in college, I served as a college rep. For some of the record labels, where I would set up meet and greets, or I would be the point person whenever artists would come in town to do performances or panel discussions, I was always helping to organize that. So that's what really sparked my interest in the field. Originally, I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer, and I um, I interned at law firms. <laughs> I interned at a law firm my senior year of high school, and every year. Um, During my summer breaks, I I was an intern at several law firms. But then by my senior year, I realized that, you know what, I don't think this is for me. Um, I know that I am am a creative. And, you know, I had expressed this to um, one of my faculty advisors. And randomly, she called me one day and asked me to come and meet with one of the board of directors of my university, who happened to be an executive at the public relations firm that I interviewed with and and received the internship. So that's really where the start was. And I'm so happy that I started in public relations because public relations allows you to be creative. Um, You're working on different brands. You're working with personalities. You're working on programs. And you really have to be creative in how you pitch, and and again, that's where marketing comes in and that's where your skills come in. So that was a great opportunity for me. Um, but I always still had that love for music. And um, at the time, uh, I was hired by the public relations company. And then uh, at that time, there was a slight recession and I got laid off, wasn't doing anything. A friend called me and said, hey, you know, my friend is looking for an intern, do you know anyone that would be interested? And I was like, well, I'm not working, so (laughs) I'll do it, you know? And I interviewed and the next day I was hired as an intern and I worked hard. I was there from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. um, And an opportunity came up to serve as an executive assistant um, at another subsidiary label and I applied for it and I got the job. So three months later, I started there and I moved up the ranks from executive assistant to marketing manager.
0: Wow. Yeah. That is like <laughs> a story. Um, I mean, so if you could, you know, kind of look back, um, you know, what are the lessons that you've learned through trial and error where there were no shortcuts?
1: Ooh. What were the lessons I learned through trial and error? One, you know, never being afraid to take chances, you know. And I think had my friend not called me to say, hey, I have a friend who's looking for an internship, I would have never taken that opportunity or even offered to uh interview for that role. You know, uh, a lot of times for me when I was working within that role in public relations, I was so focused on that. Even though I knew I really wanted to do music, you know, when you're just getting out of college, you're just happy to have a job, you know. So, I really just, you know, I was so focused on that. So, it was like the rug taken from under my leg when I got laid off, and that's when I realized that okay, I really need to focus on what my true passion is. And I still, you know, did I even apply? I don't even think I applied for any jobs at all. Um, but, you know, taking those chances, you know, not it's great that I was able to get a call from someone, but I will always tell people, don't limit your gifts. You know, you may have started within one industry or one talent, but don't be afraid to try new things. And I think that's what has helped me Um, To go into other industries, everything is always connected to the gift that I have. And my gift is in marketing and my gift is in communication. And it's also in dealing with people and speaking to people and learning about cultures. And that has helped me along the way. It helped me within public relations, where I worked with clients everywhere from beef, it's what's for dinner, to Febreze, to Splenda, to Special Olympics, you know, which was. You know, I I still think about the the great opportunity I had in working with the Kennedy and Shriver family for the Special Olympics campaign. Um, And then going into music, where I worked with some of the top artists in the country right now. And I got to travel. I got to travel the world and I got to meet people and I got to see how music is such a connector around the world. And again, utilizing my skills in understanding people helped me along the way uh, with some of the other industries that I went into.
0: Yeah. So you sound like the consummate networker uh and you don't probably even maybe even think of yourself in that way or maybe you do uh, I, I think <laughs> um there are some people that just have that natural gift of you know inquiry and following up and you know wanting to know more and um you sound like someone who either learned that early or just naturally have that gift what do you say for folks who are like networking's hard for me like I don't know, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how far to go. You know, what I've come to
1: realize with networking, and, and I think that the reason why it's hard for some people is because they're so focused on themselves. You know, don't make it about yourself. Try to get to know the person in front of you. You know, I think once you show interest in getting to learn about the person's background or getting to learn about. And, and it, it depends on the setting that you're in. If it's a professional background, then trying to get to know how did you get into the field that you're in? What is it that you enjoy? If it's a personal background, you can still ask the same questions. What is it that you enjoy? Find something that can sort of break the ice in having that conversation, and and don't be so focused on what is it that I'm I'm bringing to the table, or how can I start the conversation by talking about myself? And that's one thing I've I've realized a lot in networking settings, and you know, um, you know, working within the fields that I've been in, I've 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 been around networking settings where it's music industry settings and fashion settings, and legal industry settings, and nonprofit settings, and it's always the same you know, the people that are successful in networking well are genuinely themselves and they show that interest in the other person that they are talking to. And also find a way that you can be a resource to them. How may I help you? What is it that you may need? You know, if it's a professional setting, what is it that you're looking for? Um, What are the connections that you're meaning to make here? And how how can I be that connector? If it's not through me, maybe it could be through someone else. And that's how you develop that relationship there and that connection there
0: yeah you got it you got it that's some solid <laughs> advice I, I mean I, I do the same thing so I I can't you know second that enough um, so in preparation for this call we've talked about pivoting and how challenging it can be um, particularly in commercial real estate uh, because the importance of networking is so great. And sometimes there's an insular nature to the business. Um, I would like to talk about, you know, when you're looking at pivoting, uh, how do you let people know that although you don't have exactly the experience or exactly the industry, but you have the skill sets, the knowledge, the the go-getter ability to get in there, um, what would you like employers to know that they're missing when they're when they're not you know looking for a certain profile or a certain fit?
1: Yeah, um, I want them to understand that it's important to um, look outside of what you consider great credentials. Um, get out of that box of looking at a candidate who comes from a certain industry or a certain company or school and realizing that there is talent everywhere. Um, look at those skills and see if those skills could be transferable to what is it is exactly you're looking for. Um, not only on, on the hiring manager's end, but also on the candidate's end too. There's work that they need to do as well. Um, Try to pull out those achievements that will really show that what I've accomplished in my previous companies could be accomplished within this company as well, too. Even if you may not have that commercial real estate experience or may not have um, the core experiences that are required, you still have to pull and see what is relatable based on the work that you've previously done. Um, as well. And then, also, too, because this industry is relationship based, do your research. You know, try to have informational interviews with people who are already within the industry. Try to learn from their experiences because, uh, surprisingly, when you talk to people about how they got started in the industry, many people were doing something completely different from where they are now or they were brought into the industry through a colleague or a relative or a family member or a friend. Uh, So you know, realizing that if this industry is a relationship-based industry, then you should try to form relationships as well too. And participating in programs like Project REAP is one of those because not only do you get the educational component with the uh, uh, 10-week education program that we have, you're also now in the midst of over 1300 alumni. You're also in the midst of our volunteer instructors, our planning committee members, who you can develop relationships with and who can be able to help you uh, to develop your experience and develop your resume so that it is attractive to um, an upcoming opportunity. And I've seen that success happen. I've seen the success in alumni and candidates who take the time to network and take the time to join professional associations within the industry so that they can gain that knowledge and gain that experience as yeah.
0: well. Perfect. So this is the perfect segue into talking about Project REAP um, because uh, it's in most major cities and I, from our conversation, it sounds like it's there's been now renewed interest in cities that um, weren't kind of on the map uh, yeah. Can you talk about the, I guess, go forward mission and vision, um, particularly in these times when there's more conversation around, you know, how can we get better at equity and how are we going to, you know, tackle some of the diversity and inclusion issues that are in commercial real estate? Um, let's talk about Project Reef and how I think that's a not only a huge solution but the work and and the groundwork that's already been put in um, in making this program great?
1: Yeah, so Project REAP has been around for 22 years. It is the largest uh, commercial real estate diversity initiative in the country. Um, Our main uh, successful model is our 10-week academy, which is held uh, during the spring and fall. We're in nine cities across the country now. We have over 1,300 alumni. have realized, of course, in the last few months that there is a huge need for diversity and inclusion in commercial real estate. And of course, although we've been around for 20 years, there are many companies that have not been aware of REAP. So I've been having several conversations with uh, hiring managers and um, executives within those industries, within commercial real estate, as well as a lot of the Fortune 500 companies to see how they may, how REAP may be helpful to them. So, in the midst of that, and because of you know the pandemic and a lot of the economic injustices that are happening right now, um, we sent out a call to action, and I'll I'll give you some of the uh, some of the the uh, uh, intentional actions that we included in the call to action, and it was uh, sent to the C suites of all of the commercial real estate firms and Fortune five hundred companies. And our focus was for uh, the organizations to realize that now is the time to embrace diversity. Uh, We were asking and are asking leading organizations to invest in diversity and inclusion so that they can reap their human capital dividends. Uh, We want them to view diversity as a source of competitive advantage. Um, We want companies to become allies. And I know that that's such a, um, it's a popular term right now. And becoming an ally can mean so many things. Um, but within commercial real estate and with REAP, our goal and our ask of the companies to serve as an ally is to commit to sponsoring programs within REAP. Uh, serve as a partner on some of our initiatives. We're asking them to collaborate with historically black colleges and universities in recruiting for talent. Uh, we want them to be intentional about diversity. Um, you know, many times there have been situations where uh, hiring managers mentioned that it's hard to find talent, it's hard to find diverse talent, and we have asked companies to adopt the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule was popularized um, in the National Football League where interviewing candidates for open positions and promotions, um, they had to be diverse. Um, We're asking them to actively recruit minority professionals from partner organizations, such as Project REIT, and then also take it a step further to ensure that the interview team is as diverse as the interview pool. Uh, In addition to that, we're asking them to align supplier diversity to CEO compensation, invest in diverse sponsors, invest in your investment, which is actually one of my favorites, because um, with the existing minority professionals that are within an organization, one way to show the inclusion aspect of diversity and inclusion is investing in their future, um, investing in their professional development and using REAP as that. It's a great opportunity to do that. Uh, And then also lastly, share your network you know, introduce minority hires to your professional network as part of the onboarding process, creating opportunities for minority employers to shadow leaders and invite them into your social circle because that to itself promotes inclusion.
0: Yeah. I know that you've had um, lots of, like you said, outreach um, and there's some partnerships that have emerged in the past two months. Um, are there any partnerships and collaborations that you'd like to specifically call out and, and, you know,
1: discuss? Yeah, definitely. So um, in the fall, well, we're in the fall now, but in October, we will be launching our first ever virtual academy in conjunction with ULI uh, because, you know, uh, we haven't been able to do in-person academies, which we normally have, Um, This is an exciting time for us to launch a virtual academy where we are reaching potential candidates nationally. It's all 100% online and it will be a combination of on-demand courses as well as live courses. And we're very excited to have ULI join us as a partner in this initiative. Um, And it, it gives us an opportunity to be able to introduce more talent Uh, more diverse talent within the commercial real estate industry. And we're excited for the support of many of the sponsors uh, within the the commercial real estate industry that have uh, allowed us to make this happen. And we hope that, you know, in the future, we'll continue to provide both in-person and virtual programming for our candidates.
0: Okay. So I know you have recently joined some boards and become more involved with other organizations. Uh, Is there any uh, specific shout outs you wanna be given right now? (laughs) Uh, Sure, I
1: just just recently joined the diversity and inclusion boards of BizNow as well as Commercial Observer. And they have been very instrumental in um, making sure that there is diverse representation on panel discussions and webinars. And you know, that's that's also a great way to show the exposure of the talent that is within commercial real estate, um, not only within job opportunities, but also serving as um, talent and serving as decision makers and um, individuals with knowledge of the industry um, it's always exciting to see some of our reap alums serve as panelists uh, some of our instructors and board members serve as hosts and moderators so it's creating great exposure and it also shows the value of reap itself too um, as not only a uh, diversity initiative focused on education but we're building leaders within the commercial real estate industry and these are leaders that you can now utilize for your panel discussions. Um, We also recently launched a Speakers Bureau, um, which includes some of our top senior minority professionals um, and alumni who are available to speak for uh, events and panel discussions like BizNow and Commercial Observer.
0: That is fantastic. That's one of the reasons why I started my podcast was I wanted to be sure those voices um, were able to be visible along with, you know, having opportunities uh, for panels, for boards, um, because I think we are here. We're doing the yeah. work. We're awesome. And yes. at this point, there's no excuse for why you can't find anybody. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're, we're here. I mean, I mean, I would say for
1: Reed, we've been around for 22 years and even prior to that. The talent was there, you know. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see a lot of the changes that are happening. And kudos to BizNow and to Commercial Observer and to many of the other companies that are creating opportunities for um, the talent to be seen.
0: Yeah. So what's next up for you? I mean, you've got it sounds like you've got a full plate already. I, I know that sounds like a loaded question, but I have to ask.
1: I mean, for me, I just keep it safe. You know, we're we're of course in the midst of the pandemic, and I am, you know, a mom of three. And since the pandemic, I now run a bed and breakfast. You know, run a preschool of uh, uh, first grade, pre K. You know, I am the. Uh, and everything here the lunch, so, the the front, lunch lady the, the, lunch the lady, after school everything. tutor everything yeah. Yeah. you know so just keep insane you know i would say is the most important thing for me but also too you know the great thing about um you know and i and i'm working remotely um for some of the days the great thing about it is that it also gives me an opportunity to learn more about the industry i enjoy uh Watching and listening to BizNow webinars and commercial observer webinars, working on my own professional development. I'm still fairly new in the industry. I've been in it for seven years. So it's so much that I can learn. I've also used this time to get to know some of my alumni uh, better as well, too. Um, and just and just finding out their backgrounds and trying to see how REAP can be a better resource to our alumni. It's one thing to get them in as graduates and then start working on the next programs, but I also want us to make sure that we continue to be a resource to our alumni as well. So I I enjoy I try to carve out um, a few hours of my week speaking with alumni as well too and checking to see how. REAP can improve, um, speaking to some of my sponsor representatives as well too. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been a real treat. Yeah, um, definitely. I I mean, I'm I'm a so, full disclosure, you know, I refer people to Project REAP all the time um, uh, thank because you. of uh, my relationship uh, with CBRE yes. and yeah. And
1: CBRE is a, is a huge supporter of REIT too. So we're, we're
0: very grateful. Yeah, We've yeah. hosted a few events here in Los Angeles. So it's. yeah.
1: I, and I think that's how we met because, you know, we were in a bind. Yeah. <laughs> and and we were for space and you offered the space to us. So we're very grateful for that. And yeah. that's the power of the relationships as well too. You yeah.
0: Know? No, I, and so I'm, I was like, I, have to have I have to have you on to talk about this amazing um organization. So thank you so much. Uh, So I I'm gonna wrap up. I've got two final questions for you. Um, One is a fill in the blank. Uh, Inclusion in my industry looks like
1: inclusion in my industry looks like opportunity. Um, It looks like taking chances and it
0: looks like success. Wonderful. What does life look like coming full circle to you?
1: (sighs) What life looks like coming full circle to me is realizing that the things that made up who I am, um, I'm very proud of my culture. I'm very proud of my upbringing. And it has allowed me to be open to learning about different people, and it's what has helped me and propelled me in the field that I am in. So, I'm very grateful for that, you know. And I see that everything that I went through from my upbringing to the careers that I chose and the fields that I chose prepared me for where I am now. And I have to say that I, I absolutely enjoy the work that I do because, for one, um, I'm, I'm big on economic empowerment and that's what REAP is, you know, and it's a passion of mine to make sure that diverse professionals are empowered, whether that's personally or professionally. So that is success to me. Wonderful.
0: Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, I will be including Asa's contact information, information about Project REAP, um, in the show notes, but I am so happy that I got an opportunity to have you on today. And, um, I look forward to our continued relationship. Yes. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend. You can find me on Instagram at full circle with Garland. And if you'd like to be a guest, go to garlandfuller.com. Thank you for listening and sharing your time with me. I hope this next week helps you to recognize the full circles in your own life. Bye-bye.